Welcome back, everyone, to the Leftovers DVR podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Leftovers DVR. You can email us, leftoversdvr at gmail.com. I'm here today, of course, with A to the dash to the hustle. What's up, buddy? What's going on, fans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to have fun. We're here. We're chilling, talking about the leftovers. Uh, Once again, I just want to give a shout out. We had another round of great iTunes reviews. We do appreciate that greatly. You just got to search us in the iTunes store to do it because you can't do it. If you even if you're already subscribed, tell people about us. I think we're on Google Play, too. We're on Stitcher, all this kind of stuff. So we do appreciate it. The numbers keep on going up and we really do like that because that's why we do this. Uh, we also want your feedback. We haven't been getting a ton of feedback, um, but, uh, you know, send us an email, hit us up on Twitter, all that kind of jazz. But we got a great episode to talk about today. A Hustle is going to take it. What was your initial reactions, pal? Oh, man, what a wonderful episode. It was uh, one of the best, no doubt. I know I know it's maybe your personal favorite, um, but uh, I loved it. It was very heart wrenching, and I think for a f- you know many of us, we wanted to see Kevin and Nora end up together, and this episode kind of throws a wrench into that a little bit, at least for the time being. Um, they just seem to be irrevocably broken, or at least the relationship is at this point in time, and they just should not be together. You know, it's yeah. pretty obvious, and uh, you know I feel like Nora has not exercised her demons at all, and it's basically the same. Is at the same place she was when her children departed, and when we heard um, when we heard our letter to Kevin in the last episode of season one, like right before she found Lily on the porch. Um, I just believe that uh, you know. I just I think uh, there is hope, but it I, but it starts with Kevin. And I felt, although people might see have a different opinion of Kevin in this episode, I felt like there was some hope for his character, and I felt like some of the things that were happening to him were not. I mean, there it was his ability to deal with them was, you know, was, you know, obviously hard, um, but they're external things. Uh, Kevin had to deal has to deal with some external things that are outside of, you know, what he is dealing with internally in terms of what's going on with the departure. Although he is affected, you know, just like everybody else, I just feel like he's obviously, you know, he's died a few times. He, you know, had that whole thing with Patty. Um, and now we see with this episode uh, with Evie and, you know, some of the strange happenings with that, that's just scratching the surface. So I feel like with him, there's like hope because he has a purpose and we're going to obviously find that what that what that is, you know, I, I believe anyway, um, before the end of the show. So, you know, I feel that they're that Nora and his characters are going just going in opposite directions. So that's all I wanted to basically say. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I do feel like they're going to eventually end up together again, and we'll see each other again. Well, that's a big question coming out of this episode, isn't it? Because I felt, yeah, it is. I kind of felt like this is the last time they're ever going to see each other. That's kind of how I felt. But um, overall, yeah, I don't, I didn't see that because at the end of episode uh, one, Kevin's looking for her, or, or somebody named Kevin is looking for her, right? So I think he will he'll end up finding her. You know, if he's if he's that close wherever he is, obviously he's in the middle of Australia somewhere. And if he's there looking for her, then he's probably it's probably going to turn out that they see each other again. Oh man, you just made me think of something. Maybe 
I mean, there's only four, there's only four episodes left, but it could be possible that that stuff, maybe the last couple episodes will be that far in the future. Maybe it's going to get that crazy. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But Or maybe that's the very end. You know, maybe we'll yeah. see them come together at the very end and yeah. that's it. I don't know. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm kind of like, I'm kind of mixing like uh, my Better Call Saul and my uh, Leftovers predictions. <laughs> you know, like, Great show. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to think that that's... Uh, that maybe they're going to go kind of in the same direction. And I mean, gosh, that is really something should be said about that. It really is a, uh, uh, it's something to behold this season of television, you know, like watching better call Saul and watching the leftovers one after the other. It's just amazing that those things are on two days in a row. Um, it just, we're really lucky. And then Fargo a couple of days after that. Yeah. Yeah. We're very good yeah, again. Yeah. We're really lucky, man. Really lucky. I'd have to say after watching this episode that this is probably my favorite episode of the leftovers ever. I think, um, I know it's, uh, I know, I think international assassin is up there. I mean, you look at people's lists, Seppenwall, other people that that's kind of, already on a list of like like with the suitcase or i mean many episodes of lost you could say or like Game yeah of absolutely Throne, you know different battle of the bastards or um uh or other episodes of game of thrones that people say like top episodes Heron Hall. right Her- yeah um and i agree with that i loved international assassin but to me this episode was even better because my, Why? Uh, because my, I mean, you had the whole thing, the, just the part with Kevin could have been an episode, just the part with Nora. Then you have them come. It was just perfect to me. The way the emotion, the way they mixed the emotion with mystery and intrigue and even, a, even some action and, and it was tense. It was, a, I was cry i was like crying i was like my heart was beating i was scared at times i mean the whole the whole part when they just keep on having the conversation when the book is on fire in a sink what more of a metaphor could you get than the book is on fire in a sink all they have to do is reach over and turn the water on for us and it would have been out (laughs) But that's such a metaphor for the both of them too, right? And I, I just and, and to what was happening, and it was just perfect, man. I just felt like, you know, I wasn't. I feel like the music is getting a little kitschy at this point. Um, I love Damon. I know he goes full blast with that shit. I mean, one of the greatest musical openings in television history is the first episode of season two of lost. And I don't, I think that's pretty indisputable. That yeah, is I agree. just ama- that was amazing. With yeah. the vinyl. Yes. Oh, man. It was amazing. Okay. And for the time that it was done on te- whatever, but, um, that, that worked too. And the song began to like have no me. It was just like a drone almost, you know, I just thought it was a fantastic episode. I was thinking about it since I've seen it and rewatched it, and Me I too. just keep over on over and over, yeah. and over again. It's it's it just an 
It's fantastic, man. Both of their acting, the way it was shot, just, I mean, still using Australia, using uh, practical sets, real stuff. It, it just blew me away, man. It blew me away. I mean, I was on a podcast with Heath on Wednesday saying, I think that Better Call Saul is the best show on television. And then both of them had amazing episodes this week, but now Leftovers is back on top for me. Because this oh, it's ser- my fav. This yeah, was man. my favorite episode of the series so far, and in my humble opinion, as a TV watcher and as a guy who's watched every prestige television show pretty much from beginning to end over the last ten or so years, I can verify that. I would say that this is one of the single greatest episodes of this era. I mean, I haven't seen you know. Look, I'll admit I haven't seen a lot of old-time television and when I was growing up, and there's stuff I've missed. Of course, everyone has. But for me, that's what this episode was to me. I can't express. And even just for the story elements, so I don't know. Let's, 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 let's keep it moving into the, um, into the uh, recap, and we'll go from there. But I was blown away, man. And I, I was like, it, 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 you know, it was beautiful. Yeah, right there. It was beautiful. Yeah, you're feeling you're feeling something, man. I'm you're feeling, feeling it, something. Baby. I'm feeling. It I got you. I got a tingle in my jingle. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keep your jingles to yourself, my friend. So anyway, uh, uh, this. So um, getting down to the recap, the episode is title is "Good Day Melbourne," which um, to me ref- kind of refers to like uh, Australia's version of "Good Day Good Morning America," because um, they're just kind of like in kind of the same setup as them. And uh, the only reference that I could find uh, anything about, you know, Good Day Melbourne was um, there. there's a walking tour company by the name of Good, Door, Good Day Melbourne uh, in Melbourne. So I guess you can schedule a walking tour of, you know, urban walking tours of the city. So that kind of goes in line with the walkabout maybe. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. So, um, so basically the, just a quick synopsis of the episode and, um, it focuses on Kevin and Nora's trip to Australia, and um, obviously Nora is there to meet the people that recruited her to use this uh, radiation machine so she can connect with her departed children and possibly go to where they went. Um, and then Kevin is just along for the ride to escape his current reality and also to be close to Nora. Um and uh, so we had the opening song, which I love uh, personally. I felt it was um, probably the, the, it was, the sec- you know, to me, it was obviously the second best um, song over the, the, the same opening credits next to the original from last season. Um, and this was performed, This Love Is Over by Ray LaMontagne and the Pariah Dogs. And I've actually seen him live twice. And uh, he, he's fantastic. And obviously this, title uh, uh i mean the title of the song and the lyrics it is just sung over and over again this love is over this love is over um it's just you know it foreshadows the impending breakup <laughs> you think? i was uh, like more in heaven <laughs> yeah in the beginning when he first started saying it i was like oh man i'm the first person thinking that this means that they're this is the end of Nora and Kevin. <laughs> and then by yeah, the end of the I credits i was like uh Obvious. yeah okay everybody knows yeah yeah but i like that yeah. though i liked it though it didn't it didn't it didn't get on my nerves and i like this song i like this song it was pretty good i'm not i know i knew the funny thing is uh you texted me 
That was a what's his name Ray Lamontagne? No, Ray Lamontagne. La Ray Lamontagne. Um, like I, alt folk rock. Yeah, I knew you knew this guy. Like as soon as it started, it was like three chords in, and I was like, twenty bucks. Aaron has like five of this guy's albums. Yep, pretty much. Yeah, that I would have been me, but now you know, man. I'm old. I just listen to jazz and podcasts. That's all I do. Yeah, I'm trying to enlighten you, my friend. I know. So much good music these I know. days. I know. You're right. Um, So anything else you want to add? No, nah, dude. All right. So let's get um, to the recap. And so we start at the airport. And um, so Kevin and Nora are at the airport. And then they're going through the security screening. And then I guess the security um, guy, uh, guard or says that she has global access and she can go through the other line. And... Then, um, right when she's about to, looks like she's just about to go, and um, he says, are you two together? And she just quickly, she doesn't immediately answer, and she just kind of leaves the line and says, on her way out to Kevin, like she's preoccupied, I'll see you on the other side, which, again, is another sign that, you know, they're probably going to break up or they're going to be some, something happens that and, puts and distance between them. May I, may I also point out that is a lost uh, I'll see you on the other side, brother. And Damon Lindelof has admitted that he stole that from the gunslinger, from Stephen King's okay. The Gunslinger, which is something that... That's your thing, man. Yeah, there are other worlds than these. I'll see you on the other side. And nice. so I think that he stole that from them too. So, But that's good. That's yeah. homage, baby. Yeah, man. I mean, that's everything comes from something, right? Yeah, and this was shot. I want to say that I love the angles on this. If you watch... Mm-hmm. Um, what they do here is, and they do that, they do that in this show is they're jumping over the lot. Like there's a, this 180 degree rule where you're supposed to basically, it's basically kind of the thought of keeping film, um, visually manageable, like a play where you have like, you know, there's, you're not breaking the fourth wall in a sense. You could look at it that way and, yeah. uh, or you create the illusion uh, of that fourth wall and they jump right from one side to the when she walks off they jump to the other side so you're looking at the perspective of the ticket taker side but from way back through a crowd of people and it's just disconcerting there's no mm-hmm. reason for the shot and this is a great visual cue to kind of anarchy confusion discord when you when you put something in like that, so I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, good uh, good insight there from uh, Axel on the cinematography. That's uh, obviously a very important story element. Um, Nora uh, then is as she's going through her security screening, the alarm goes off and she looks a little dismayed. Um, and the, we find out the false alarm was because of her watch. And she gets goes through again, and everything's fine. And it looks like she's walking toward the tram, and then. Kevin just comes up from behind her. It looks like she's just walking really fast, like kind of oblivious. And Kevin is like, has an expression. It was great acting. Like, what do you, what the fuck are you doing? Where are you going? Did you forget about me? You know? And then like, and, and so then he says, um, you know, you could have just waited extra, you know, 15 extra minutes for me in line, um, you know, to go through the, you know, longer security uh, clearance. So then she, um, in a, in a way she gets out of it but she doesn't really, um, you know, but she, um, 
and says that she has twenty thousand dollars on her, and then she tells her tells him the reason why um, that she has to give the money to the you know the scientists who are going to perform this you know this experiment on her, um, and uh, so sh- they I guess they go to a bathroom, and um, uh, uh, one other thing I'd add is that um, Kevin said to her that why didn't you just give me half the money if you know because she can only carry ten thousand dollars on her you know uh legally um and then kevin just said why don't you just give me half the other half of the money and um that i mean that kind of like dispels the notion that she wanted to include him in all this that she was just kind of doing her you know doing her thing yeah her, you know and she was, it, it's funny isn't it a hustle because you know what this reminds me of bro have you ever dated someone and like you're not into them. <laughs> and then it's just like the subtle hints kind of come out like, like just little things that you do with someone when you're intimate with them, you know, like maybe yeah. if it's holding the door or getting them a glass of water or like, you know, telling them there's a smudge on them or something. It's just like you, they're doing those things, but you're not. Yeah. And, I think that that's what really this episode is like. Kevin is in love with her. Yeah. And she's not in love. With, I mean, she, she doesn't have the she's capacity. Not capable. Yeah. She's not yeah. capable. And, but he, and that's why he was, that's why I, I, he's so hurtful in the end. He's really the one being so hurtful is because he's the one who has feelings, you know? Yeah. And yeah. at this point who can blame her? She doesn't. And, um, that's what I think is, you know, that's what's going on throughout these whole mess of scenes until they separate is just again and again and again, um, where she's antagonizing him, um, where she's just doesn't really want to be there to him as well. Yeah. Just yeah, not, yeah. Not sharing things is just as much is lying you know especially when she was about to go through what she was about to go through yeah she kind of just dismissed him the sin of omission yeah um so they go to the airport bathroom uh nora takes out the money from her torso and then she kind of like kind of tries to play him a little bit and then you know acts like she wants to have you know sex oh give me the sexual vibes baby yeah <laughs> and then uh against i guess they have sex against a baby changing stand that's just funny and um it's very passionless you yeah know, you, you know i'm not a, i gotta say man i've said this before i'm not a huge fan of sex scenes um in film it's important yeah but what what did you say i thought it was important yes this, okay I wasn't context. sure. I wasn't sure whether you said it's porn or whether you said it's. <laughs> I was like, no, you don't understand. I'm very pro porn. That's my point. <laughs> Is oh, yeah. they're always un. They're always. It's always just a game of what you can show and what you you know. It's just boring to me. Um, yeah. But this, I felt like there was more communication in it, and it was it was pretty quick, and it was done. I think usually the sex scenes in this show are pretty interesting, you know. Yeah, they're they're real, and it's not it's yeah. really not that much. And I, I feel like there's a reason for all of it, and you have to kind of show intimacy and yeah. lack of intimacy. And at there the same is time. there's also something to be said with like here you have these two gorgeous people, you know. I mean. Justin Thoreau is yeah. a great looking dude. Carrie mm-hmm. Coon is gorgeous looking woman. 
And then obviously they're just attract. They have that raw sexual energy, you know. Sure, that's not their problem. Sure, and then, yeah, the show kind of makes it even more like I just feel like the show is so emotional that it, like it, everything is a little bit more charged than it yeah. would be normally, and that's what makes it so great. You know, the whole world you is know? right. I think that's that's a big part of yeah. the show is that everything. Yeah, is that's charged, what I'm saying. Yeah, you know? yeah. All the emotions. Um, so, uh, yeah, it just, um, again, just reiterating, it just looks like that Nora has already moved on from Kevin and he's just kind of there, like baggage. Um, yeah. And, uh, again, this is, you know, this is... <clears throat> oh, anyway, so we get to the plane trip and, um, oh, yeah, I forgot, in Austin, wasn't that where there was that that crazy airport passenger um, who had that hazmat, like the hazard, hazardous materials suit on, looked like a whack job. And he was ranting about needing to get to Antarctica before an imminent global event. So I thought that was, you know, obviously very interesting and, uh, you know, it's kind of random, but is it really, you know, I mean, with uh, Damon Lundelhoff, of course. When, wait, um, when, was, when was that? That was at the airport in Austin. Oh, oh that like, guy who was trying to get who was right behind yeah. her. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, are, we, are you moving past her going through the metal detector? No, no, no. No, okay. we're, okay. I'm going back to the plane trip. Okay. So, um, so while on the plane, uh, Kevin says that uh, the scientists will suspect because we're continuing the conversation or his intentions that she is not willing to go through the procedure if they find out that he is there with her. So she explains that she'll lie and tell them that they have a toxic codependent relationship and that yeah. they're better off apart than together, which again, sets what's going to happen in the episode and what the relationship is actually. And, you know, it is very kind of toxic and codependent at this point. No shit. Um, so um, that that's really interesting. So uh, is this where did Kevin read the book? Um, then they, they discussed the book. Yeah, uh, no, but part. wait, hold on a second. Let's back up a second. Yeah, you ahead. went past the part when she goes through the metal detector, which was fucking weird. I already weird. talked about that. Okay, but I, uh, I'm i sorry. I didn't comment oh, on okay. it then. I apologize. Okay. Um, that was a weird vibe for me because I was fir- I, I didn't know she had the money on her, right? Yeah. So I was I couldn't figure out why she was getting this kind of – it seemed like she was kind of – yeah, was she giving looks or it seemed almost she was kind of getting off on it. You know, like she was almost so giddy. She was like, huh, you know, like going through, like smiling as she turned and then being stern again. She was having. because she's so, Yeah, that's a good point then. So know? maybe she's just so focused on her task at hand and thinking that she's just going to be reunited with her children. I don't know. I don't I, know. I just think it's another example of their weird things that they do to feel alive. Like either she was getting some, maybe there's some thrill of being but, controlled at that point or else they, why would, that's what I'm trying to say is like, why would she want, she doesn't want to get caught, but it's like thrilling well, that she's doing well, it. Well, maybe she's not really thinking about that part. I mean, you can look at it in different ways. It can be very ambiguous. I mean, it just, it could connect it to like I was saying where, um, you know, she's just kind of focused. Like, it's like she dismissed Kevin. She's just focused on getting into the airplane, getting to, you know, uh, Melbourne okay, as okay. quickly as possible and going to meet her children. Like that's the vibe okay. I get from her throughout is that 
she doesn't she just wants to get there as quickly as she can i uh, okay i can buy that for me and there she was, thinks that something's gonna happen or at least she'll die or something there for me the whole um thing with the uh going through the metal detector and getting the wand and all that was uh-huh. she was getting off on it and it was it was i think another little example of feeling a, in a controlled situation where there yeah. is going to be coming out there is going to be a definitive outcome perhaps that's what she liked that like she is either going to get caught or she is not and she believe she's when she does not you know, when she goes through again after taking the watch off, you know, um, or maybe that was her plan to throw them off with the watch or something. I don't know, but it just, it was interesting. I just, that, not a big deal. Yeah. Not a big deal. Just thought it was interesting. All right. So the next scene uh, that we have is of them and the hotel, the hotel room in Melbourne, back in the good old hotel that we love to do at the show, The Leftovers. Um, so Nora um, is and they're discussing, uh, I guess, the book and uh, the book of Kevin and Nora mocks uh, his gospel. And she reads a random passage from it that describes the scene of him pushing Patty into a well on the other side, uh, you know, from the episode International Assassin. Again, one of many references in this episode. Um, and, you know, Kevin is getting all these images in his head. He sees the, the poison um, glass that he drank um, with that one guy. Uh, in Miracle um, Jardin, and um, and also him pushing Patty into the well, and I think we also had another image of him, the other image of him, uh, like in the creek with Patty. Yeah. Um, so he had all those flashes again, reminding him of what he what he had experienced, and he it was traumatizing, obviously. And so he becomes increasingly uncomfortable with it, and then the phone rings, and Nora uh, gladly answers it. And she confirms her appointment, which is to catch a bus and to get off at the last stop of the bus. That's all the information she's given. Um, she immediately leaves, tells Kevin not to follow her and uh, to stay in the hotel. Very dismissive, just like, sit by, see you later. Goodbye. You know, and I felt like at this point that, yeah, she was gone. She was leaving. I did feel, you know, it, it wasn't what transpired after. I felt like that was it, you know, at least for this episode. Um, you know, that they were going to see each other. And uh, it was, you know, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty cold on her part. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I think exactly. I mean, this does go back to what you were saying where she, this is what her focus is on. This is what I'm saying. It's like when you're with somebody and you don't really care, you're thinking about something, you know, she's, that's what. Yeah. Yeah. She's just so like, I mean, think about this. This comes into perspective. This show likes to do this. And what it likes to do is have people act like things are normal until somebody says, this is not normal. It's like the end of last season. Like I've heard some people described as though the end of last season kind of ended on a good note. They, they're all together and everything. And I, I, I may be mistaken, but I think I can remember talking about it um, with, I think it was Solo on or somebody on a podcast uh, last year, or maybe it was when we did the preview, it's like, it didn't feel that way to me. It's just like the beginning of this season where you think, oh, is everything okay? No, listen, nothing's okay on The Leftovers. No, no. <laughs> Never. Nothing mm-hmm. is ever okay. Nobody's okay. Even if they say they're okay, nobody's okay. This thing that took 2% of the people 
left something bigger behind, which was that hole. And everybody's trying to fill it. And, you know, there, Nora is not okay. He's not okay. Like, uh, like Lori says later in the episode, he just up and leaves his job. He's the chief of police. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but yeah, that, that just goes to show you maybe all this again happens for a reason, you know, maybe he was meant, wow. Gosh, know, this know, is meant right? to happen. So we'll see. We'll see how it all connects in the end. But um, that was cold on her part and it was acted so well yeah. too. This whole scene, yes, this whole scene there back and forth about the, the book yeah. and everything, the way she takes yeah. the phone call, her scrambling yeah. for her bag, you know, the mm-hmm. way she picks the phone up, even it was just real. I remember when she picks it up, like she backs into the camera. It was a real close up of her and it was kind of stunning. You could see like him in the back. Um, but uh, yeah, great, great scene. Yeah. I mean, like you said it, man, every gesture, every motion is like meaningful and it's, she, they're just, especially Carrie Coons. She's just a, ma- a master of her craft, man. I can't wait to see her in future things. It'll be really interesting to see where she goes. So we're going to split the rest of this into two sections because this is where they split, right? So we're going to do the good day of Melbourne part with Kevin, and then we're going to go back to, to Nora, and then we'll come back together at the end. All right, so um, after Nora leaves the hotel room, Kevin turns on the television. The only channel he can watch is running a show called Good Day Melbourne, which seems like the Again, the Australian version of Good Morning America. He doesn't want to watch the channel, and he tries to change it, but he can't. And he can't turn it off. So he calls the front desk and complains. They say that this happens from time to time, and that the only way to for it to stop is by cutting the power to the te- television, which they're going to do for him. After he hangs up, the show mentions there are two missing Kevins, and then we see pictures of the chief of police that was killed by Grace and her cohorts, and also her, his father. And um, he then sees uh, shortly thereafter uh, in the studio, the live studio, the cameras face out toward the uh, a window. And we see um, what looks to be Evie Murphy yep. uh, standing in front of the window with a sign, uh, holding a sign that says Sarah, S-U-R-A-H 81. And um, it's okay. So it basically... I'll get into that in a section and what that means, but she appears, uh, Kevin, um, says, can you hear me? And, uh, you know, and then Evie, like he's looking at her, like, I mean, his face, this is great acting. His reaction is like, Oh my God, what's going on here? Am I going crazy? Because she's supposed to be dead. You know, that kind of expression. And, you know, and then he's just yelling at the TV and he says, can you hear me? And then it looks like she's staring directly at him, which is, you know, and the sign becomes more, potent in a way so then the television cuts off immediately after he becomes frantic he then rushes out of the room finds out where good day melbourne is shot on location from the hotel receptionist she calls him mr dirch durst (laughs) which is hilarious and he doesn't like it um again another sign um and he uh as he gets a taxi he inadvertently passes nora and it's just like they're just going their own separate ways and it's very emotionless, yeah. you know? Yeah. This whole scene with him in the hotel room and seeing her that blew my mind. I mean, of course, as soon as it happened, I have to admit that my first inclination was that she was either not really there, you know, that he was just mm-hmm. seeing her there. Maybe somebody like Patty. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, I, the way this was great too, this was a really well shot episode. I mean, the way that it just kind of goes to the the perspective from the TV and you see his face, you know, you see the blue glow on it. So Um, much TV, hotel TV stuff going on in the show. It's it's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. And it was of course a callback to international assassin. Yeah. With him and his father yeah. too, right? And now he's there and he can go check it right away, which is kind of crazy. It was kind of, yeah. and also this was so, th- that's what I'm, that's why I love this episode. Cause this was all so fun. He doesn't see her face on the TV, go nuts, start ring him around the room. And then all of a sudden he's like ordering, uh, uh, ordering whatever they, what do they call it? <laughs> the hotel room service. And he's like locked in the room and he's under, he's like got towels. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this typical crazy guy thing. No, he goes, he's like, I'm going out. I'm going no, there. He wants to find out what's going on. Yeah. He just, yeah. he just charges forward and goes yeah. there, which I thought was just, I was like, damn, this, this is moving. And that shows you where his character is. And yeah. I feel like we're seeing, like, I feel like they're going in two separate ways, you know, and I feel like he's learning and he's growing and she's regressing yeah. in he a way is, or staying oh, in the yes. same place. He is, Kevin is a propulsive lead character. He is a great lead character because he propels the plot. He just keeps on chewing through it and moving and he, he is a doer. He's a man of action. You know, for all the, yeah. for how insane he is, he just keeps on moving forward, and it's uh, that's just kind of that kind of tra- that transition there threw me because literally I thought we were just going to cut to something else, you know, but the fact that it yeah. ju- he just he, he leaves the hotel, I was like, all right, we're we're going, dude. Yeah. So, um, getting into what Syrah. 81 means um i had no idea what it meant i'm not gonna lie but it brings in uh the islamic religion and um i'm very happy about that i'm glad there's another yet another perspective uh spiritual perspective uh on the show so um Surah 81 or the Surah is uh from the Quran, and it's like a it's like for christianity it's like a book like the book of Kevin or whatever. And um, it discusses uh, the signs about the hereafter and the occurrence of some great changes regarding the end of the world and the beginning of the next world through a resurrection. Very, you know, some similar themes with Christianity <laughs> and the okay, Judeo Christian. Yeah. Uh, and this show. Religious. Uh huh. And this is basically an. Wait, can I ask you a question? Can I ask you a question? Imagery. Okay. Uh, did you say the, the, the cura? The, it, the Quran. Quran. Okay. I just, I'm sorry. I just had to correct you there, dude. Yeah. That's okay. So I, yeah, out of, if I mispronounce that, I, out of respect. No, come um, on, dude. Yes. I apologize. Dude, everybody knows. We're, we've talked about that before. This is very interesting and we're, we're, we respect it all, man. Yeah. So, um, so basically, uh, until it pisses us off, reading. then we'll say something on Twitter, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, after being interrupted for the third time, um, it's basically an apocalyptic reading full of end times imagery for telling about the coming day of judgment, um, but also uh, the the resurrection. So um, we're going to post it in our notes, the actual words of the English translation of the words, which will probably not do it complete justice, um, but at least it'll give you an idea of what it what it actually is if you're interested. Yeah. Um, Okay. so go ahead. What are you going to share? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah, I've been posting a hustles, uh, show notes on our website, dvrpodcast.com. Uh, 
Uh, we are part of the DVR Podcast Network. Uh, and they've been cool, man. They're awesome. They're long. Check them out. Um, I wasn't going to, I was just saying that that's directly related to what was going, to what that's going on. That's all I was saying. Yeah. Okay. Um, so then, uh, the, for Kevin's part, um, he, uh, arrives at the location of the live viewing for good day in Melbourne and, and, you know, looking frantically for Evie. Um, he doesn't see her initially. And then he goes to her spot in the window of the live broadcast, which we find out later is important. Um, that's where his father, uh, sees him. May I ask you, did and, you not think immediately that his father was going to see him? I, no, I wasn't even thinking okay. about that. I was as so soon as he part. stepped into, as soon as he started walking up towards the front, I thought to myself, he's going to go to the front window, stand there. He's going to be on TV. His father's going to see him and come get him. Mm-hmm. That's a good catch. So I don't he, think um, I'm the only, I'm not trying to take credit. I'm just, I, I bet oh, you yeah. a lot of other people listening yeah, thought, I thought I've, they did that well is what I'm saying. Yeah. I thought yeah, they did it sometimes well. Sometimes the show, there's so many things to focus on. And I was focused, yeah. like, and some of the things I catch, like, immediately, and some of them I have to reflect it's on. Just, or it's just a continuation. Happening. He saw yeah. his father through the TV, right? Yeah. In, yeah. The, in the International Assassin. Now mm-hmm. he, his father sees him. They meet just like the other. Now he, he went there. His father goes there. It makes it's very tidy. It's very well done. Yeah. Yeah. Except he's not on uh, God's tongue. <laughs> that's the only difference and he's on a Kevin's natural god's tongue <laughs> it's a little different this time so um so he uh he spot he looks through the crowd and he spots her based on a hijab she is wearing um and kevin chases her down this graffiti field alley which was a really cool sh- uh scene and um, you know how it was shot um and uh he just yells at her and he's acting like a crazy man she doesn't respond to the name but she does address him um but very confused and kind of a little scared and kevin becomes completely unhinged at this point and he screams what the fuck are you doing here did patty send you and then uh uh there's a man randomly appears and uh he gets in kevin's face and you know he's just like you know are you bothering her stop bothering her and you know kevin just persists and persists and then he takes his phone out and takes a picture of evie to prove that you know that she exists and is alive um and then uh that the, the man's had enough and he just head bunts him <laughs> which is, you know, it's kind of a random way to just attack him but um totally real i could see an australian doing that um so I, I actually thought it was kind of a cool moment, you know, with all the anti-Islam stuff and um, sentiment that's been going out there lately. I felt like this guy was protecting her. Um, and, you know, and you know, this is a little side note. I thought it was kind of cool that um, she was getting harassed and some guy came to her aid, even though it wasn't why she was being harassed. But it could easily be interpreted as that from an outside perspective. Um, so I thought it was cool. And uh you know, at this point, you know, you're really questioning. I mean, I, I was questioning, is this really Evie? You know, I mean, she looked like her. That's what we saw, you know. And But then we have, uh, we juxtapose that with Erica saying she buried her remains. So it's like, I don't know, something was going on. It just didn't like, was he like in the other world or something? I don't know. I was, at this point, it was very confusing. And that's why, that's kind of what I was focusing on. You know, what were you thinking? Um, I was just, at this point, I was just in for the ride, man. I was willing yeah. to accept it was her. 
Yeah. So um, so the next part with Kevin, we see him calling Lori and he tells her the story. Um, Kevin sends a picture to Lori while he's on the phone. We can't see it. She confirms, you know, she looks pretty distraught and she confirms that it's Evie, but tells him not to approach her again, which is obviously very curious. Why would that be? Um, and then Lori looks up her pro her Facebook profile. She's able to get the information provided and found her alias uh based on what you know whatever the little information he had danish moab moabizi i'm sorry i really i don't know how that name is pronounced um so i'm sorry for butchering it and tells him that she works at the public library so then kevin uh goes to the library like a crazy person and he's really out of his mind at this point and as he should be i mean he just he thinks he's seeing evie right i mean i'd be pretty freaking freaked out myself um so he he tells the librarian on hand that only danish can help him find a book and she tries to help him and he just refuses it and then she asks him what the book of the name the name of the book is and he comes up with assassins which yeah again, goes back to that, <laughs> they that really it, they were really this is really this th- these two episodes are there's a lot there's a lot, a lot yes. of connections you can make between, I mean, we could have a whole segment or something, which we didn't prepare for, but if we wanted to, where you just make the connections between. Oh know, yeah. I mean, I, I pretty much know. Hunting some, hunt something yeah. down and, and like a, a, yeah. a younger girl and a sacrifice. And we, you know what I'm saying? Like the question Nora has to answer, what did Kevin do? Right? Like he killed a child. It's not a baby, but you know, I mean, there's so many, they did a great job with that, this episode. Yeah. And you know, I mean, with, uh, it's, I don't know. I find it's, uh, interesting with the, with the assassins. I think that, um, yeah, it's just, it's kind of drawing a link between the two episodes and it's like, he's just like that world was, you know, crazy. And it was like another world and, like him seeing Evie mm-hmm. when she's not actually there, it kind of that brings those two things in connection. It's like showing us that this stuff is happening kind of for a reason, right? Yeah, I, you know, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. That's, I wanna, that's my interpretation of it. I want to think, I want to say that perhaps we will say there's only four episodes left, mind you, that this, that they're bookends in a way. Um, and something that began with that episode ended in this episode. And really, for me, that became clear with the crazy stuff that's mentioned at the end of the episode, which we'll get to later. But to bring us back to where we are now, I do want to say that the way Lori spoke to him made me think that she knew that Evie snuck out with a bunch of other people and they were hiding in Australia. Like I was coming up with all these weird ideas because just the way Lori was like, don't approach her. She was like, okay, I know. And obviously we know why, because she saw the picture and she knew he was having a break, you know, we find that out later. But the way she was speaking to him then, because I was kind of in on it at this point, which again, the genius of this show that um, me, me, Mr. Atheist cynic guy, I'm, I'm all in believing <laughs> this girl uh-huh. somehow resurrected, but yep. I'm also trying to figure out how. So yeah. just, that was awesome. So 
Um, he says assassin, and then the uh, security guard comes over, right? Um. So. Uh, yeah. So yeah. The. So um, the security guard comes over. Uh, oh, no. So he says the book entitled Assassins. As the security guard's coming over, um, she tells him the book doesn't exist. Um, and uh, right before he's about to be escorted out, Evie stands up and says she'll speak with him in private. They go to a, a room in the back, and she tells him that she is Evie Murphy. Okay, then I'm like, okay, yeah, this is Evie. You know, and then she tells him why she's doing what she is and not not to tell anyone because she wants to start a new life. Um, but his behavior becomes very threatening and she starts to pray in Arabic. So it's definitely like, wow, OK, how did she learn all that so quickly? You know, I definitely was like, I, I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, and she but, then, then, but you know what? The thing is, though, it was so quick. I was just like, huh? The like, thing is, is that kind of made me buy into the accent like she was just going full method. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. she was just going. She's I am this person now. And and maybe yeah, she had converted like was, or, you know, something like yeah. that. And he then he says to her, why do you still speaking in the accent? You know? Yeah. She um she then uh just when she I guess she's feeling too threatened at this point. And so she's like, I'm not going to continue to charade. And she explains to Kevin that Lori called her and asked her to pretend that she's Evie because um as Lori told Kevin before when he was um uh you know, who was it? Um, some instance in one of the prior episodes um, that they were having a conversation and he said, you can't tell somebody who's in the middle of a psychotic break that they were having a psychotic break. So you have to indulge the person's delusion and find some kind of common ground. Otherwise they will be more likely to hurt themselves. And so that's why she asked Evie to do that, to go along with this and why she wanted him to keep him away from the library because she knew that there was going to be a major altercation. Um, so then, um, she calls Lori while she is at dinner with John at this point. And, um, he, he, so when he, uh, she tells him to look at the picture on his phone uh, and says, it's not even to look at it. And so he looks at it and he realizes, and he see, we see a picture oh, of another woman, my God. which completely just blew my mind. Oh, dude, and this... then he looked at her. And saw the same woman yeah. um, and realized it wasn't Evie. And that basically, it's like, I can't imagine the kind of shock, like almost like maybe somebody who has Alzheimer's and not remembering something, then, you know, kind of just. He was just so fantastic in this scene. The look on yeah, his face. Yeah, it was totally was, believable. He totally went, believable. He went from mania, anger, disbelief, utter devastation, sadness, childlike innocence of vulnerability it was amazing it it freaking that that's i had a tear in my eye man i was like holy shit yeah man. and the yeah, fact was, that they was... did this in like 20 minutes 25 minutes or so it was amazing this whole trip it was a trip it was out it was and the, and also fantastic casting on um, the woman because she just had such a like empathetic like kind of sweet face, but she yeah. still looked a little scared. 
but she also I mean, she wanted to help out. Yes, I mean, she was yes, really nice. Yes, she looked like yeah, she lo- and but you she could still just holding up that sign. And, but we and, didn't actually. Did we actually see that sign on her person? Like when when he was talking to her in the alley, I didn't. I don't uh, recall seeing. I I I I didn't catch that she was holding it. I would have to. I must must have missed that. Okay. Um, but yeah, she was very great casting. Um, and could, and you could just imagine a phone call between her and Lori and Lori just being like, you know, so great the way she is talking like a therapist. Mm -hmm. It was devastating, man. It was fucking devastating. And also it devastated me as a viewer thinking, what the fuck is going on with this show? Because these motherfuckers had me convinced at this point, he like, this was some grand revelation here. And they, this is why they came to Australia and blah, blah. And he's just, it was just really sad too, because, you know, you've been, I'm sure everyone's been there in life when you get some kind of news that is, there's, you just, you're, you know, you're in, you're up in Shits Creek. You know, someone has just basically alerted you that the water you thought you were swimming in is radiated toxic sludge. And you've got to just get the fuck out and start cleaning yourself up and getting yourself back together because it just like, and also there's almost this quick, there's, there's just a quick acting thing where the way he just kind of twitches for a second and it's almost like he's considering going back, you know, like he's almost considering rejecting that this is the real part. And just buying totally into that this is Evie in front of him somehow. And he doesn't, though. And that's even more devastating. And it, it makes you love the dude. Yeah, I mean, you definitely feel for him. And it's like, wow, you just you just realized that, you know, everything he was seeing was just made up. And then it's like, why is this happening to him yet again? I mean, he's got to be thinking, oh, man, I'm really fucking crazy. You know, and he doesn't know, understand why it's happening. And so Lori then, while she's, he's still on the phone with her, as you alluded to before, he said, why did you run out of Jardin when your responsibilities a week before the seven-year anniversary when they know things are going to get crazy there? She then asks if he and Nora are okay. He gets upset before he, and before he hangs up the phone and he says, ask John about the fucking book he wrote about me. You know, and she's like, I was just a little startled about that. So obviously they're probably going to have a little chat about that. Um, so I found it interesting that he called Lori and people probably may not understand why he called her. But I I mean, I, I, a lot of people probably get it that she was a therapist. He trusted her. He was going through something. Um, and she was also with John, you know, I mean, she was in a relationship with him. So I think she uh, he trusted her innately um, and that some part of him needed her sanity and her the psychologist and her to help him because she yeah. had helped him in season two as well. Yeah. Um, so, that, you know, he kind of relied on her for that. So it, it was nice to see that she was so helpful for him and she cared that much about him. Um, so uh, so another question is, why does Kevin see Evie? Instead of the Muslim woman, why specifically? And I think I alluded to this a little bit before. I personally feel that um, he's seeing all this 
that he's seeing EV. He's seeing the sign about the apocalypse, all of this, because he needs, it's helping take him to the next point. Like this is all part of the why he's here and that he's for, and probably for his dad to see him, he needs to be, he needs to connect with his father. So if he didn't actually go through all this, his father would have never seen him. Right. So other than that, I can't really think, you know, other than him experiencing these things again, what the reasoning could be behind it. Do you have any ideas? Um, a completely random series of events in the life of a completely insane, stressed out, unstable man. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very Just saying. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, I guess I'm not looking at it like that. I guess. I mean, like I said, I kind of see this almost as a bookend. It seems like now we are going to be dealing with the other. I think stuff. we. I think we have to accept that that this is um, that Kevin is both insane and also somehow in touch with or straddling the line between what we know of as reality and the supernatural or the unexplained. Um, I think we have to accept both of those notions, even though the first seems to contradict the second, it doesn't necessarily in this case. And that's kind of where I'm at. I think that um, with Kevin, I think, you know, obviously we see the conversation at the end with Nora and blah, blah, and what happens with the end with his dad And I think that what we're getting to is a series of now perhaps them actually dealing with a direct external threat. I mean, their internal uh, machinations and emotions are still going to be important. This is the leftovers people, but I am getting that feeling. I don't know. Again, I don't watch no previews peoples, the apocalypse. So I have no idea, but. Like they say at the, they're, you know, I don't, we shouldn't say we're getting to everybody watch the fucking show. They mentioned all the airports are closed. There was some explosion. Something's happening. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't know what the fuck that is, but that is an external we'll event. We'll get into that in a little bit. Yeah. yeah. We'll get into that. We're not going to get into that right at the second. All right, but so let's you go. Know, you do have to, you do have to point out that, that, that passage from the Quran. Um, yeah. You know, that, that has meaning, you know, yeah. so. For all those events to happen. Yeah, it better like have meaning. They told the fucking props department to make a sign with that on it specifically. <laughs> That's the way television <laughs> works. Yeah, so oh, good point. Thanks for that insight. <laughs> you got it, guys, from Axel Foley. So um, the next part is uh, we're just going to go on to Nora now. Um, and we're going to go to her, her part of the story. So the last time we saw her, she was at the bus stop. So we see her at the bus stop. A woman approaches her with a baby and frantically says she has an interview and couldn't find a babysitter. She said that she would only be a few minutes while she was interviewing right, uh, right in the building right there. Uh, Nora reluctantly accepts, keep looking you know, at the bus because you know it's late. And she knows the bus is on the way. Um, so she says she'll only be a few minutes, so she just does it. Okay, so when the bus arrives immediately after, she asks for it to wait. Um, while she rushes inside and gives a woman her baby back during the interview. Yeah. And, and uh, she, that she, the bus is miraculously still there waiting for her. And she goes to a vacant industrial park. Okay. I don't, I'm not believing any of this. And when it happened, I didn't believe it at all. 
Like, it just didn't make sense to me. Like, first of all, it's not believable that some woman would just approach another person and just say, randomly, hold my baby for a minute. Let me hear Take my baby and you, run out. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I, I, like, I want to say I this. One, one person was like, you know, she's probably not going to come back or whatever. Um, you know, I mean, one of the other bus people waiting for the yeah, bus. I and uh, I just didn't believe it. And then the bus was going to wait there for a few minutes while she, you know, while she ran I, the baby back in. And also... Uh, at the woman like it would have been how did she find her so quickly in the building and how was she able to she was just like kind of the woman just sat there oh, okay like, are you pro- wait a second are you proposing that this did not happen no i'm saying it did happen but it oh, wasn't okay. believable okay oh like, you, you thought it was bad writing no i didn't think it was bad writing i think it connected to something else in the story oh, okay which okay it she was, she made that connection later it was a little bit of straight up metaphor is what you're trying to say it was not, it, uh, it seemed, yeah, it, it was that. And yeah, also I think it, it may have been part of the test. It just didn't make, oh, okay. none of it made sense. Okay. Okay. You know, um, I don't, I would say that I don't know. Well, we need to, we need to wait till we get to that part, but go uh, ahead. Other uh, everybody, there's different cultures out there. I don't know, man. You know, there's some places where, um, it's cool to like leave your baby sleeping in a crib while you go down the street and have dinner, you know, some some and that's cool some people leave their kid um there was some i don't know i remember there was uh was it was some like denmark sweden or something somebody said like a lot of times people just leave their baby sleeping in a in like a carriage and then they'll like walk around town there's just like a spot where the babies will be or something i don't know i mean okay yeah, i mean it's possible yeah it's possible see it. but it's you're right city. though this uh, this this along with the are you carrying a baby on the airplane? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a little knocking you over the head. Yeah. Okay. It's, but yeah, it says fun. something, right? Which is blurring the, when reality, when your reality and the general reality, the line is blurred to the point at which, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big fan of the, uh, Solaris ideas of, uh, things uh the ga- people who've listened to the game of thrones small councils now podcast winterfell i've talked a little bit about i like the idea of of um conscious collective conscious collective unconscious a, a human oh, yeah, a, a single person's ability to affect to act to kind of almost a, a like a a, a rock in a puddle or, or a pond where it ripples out and you, your action, you, and those who can see that and get in tune with that can do it on purpose or they do it accidentally. So it's like these things that are happening with Nora and, and Kevin and all the other people that are so metaphor that just speak to their emotion. Is this a world where your, your, your emotion becomes reality where events start to shape themselves around you like the story of the ancients who created the earth the paths the waypoints the way lines that we talked about um in last episode can people do this did nora create that situation her vibe her intensity her emotion you know um drew that woman there you know i don't know just saying that is kind of part of this show you know Axel going deep. Hey, it's there, man. The leftovers with Axel Foley. So she arrives for the test. Yes. So um, she 
gets off the bus, goes into a building and in a huge um, room in a warehouse, uh, she sees two women doctors next to a piano in the middle of a big room. And they're playing a song and a game of name that tune. And uh, we hear the first time we hear the song uh, in this episode and it's take on me by aha. And it, obviously it's just, um, the version that uh, the doctor is playing, and that's Dr. Aiden. And so the doctor's names are Dr. Aiden, which appears to be like the nice one, and Dr. Becker, who appears to be the bad one, or should we say good cop, bad cop. Yep. Um, and uh, basically, um, Dr. Becker, uh, when she doesn't want Nora to hear her, she speaks Dutch to Dr. Aiden. Um, and then they introduce her to Bernard, who's a doctor who conducts a physical exam. And as Nora learns, he already has obtained her medical information, uh, probably illegally, um, or maybe not. And Nora is then given an isolation test um, to see how she reacts in similar conditions if she were to undergo the procedure with the radiation machine. So the isolation test basically consisted of her sitting in a wooden box with, I guess, those... What are, the, what are those things called? Uh, you know, those little white fluffy things. Uh, I don't know. So she was, she went in. It's like, they're like she was like on the bed with those white little fluffy things, and um, they just they put her. It's like a coffin. I mean, it looked like a coffin. So oh, packing um, beans, you mean? Yeah, yeah, the packing beans or whatever. Okay, yeah. I didn't know what so, the hell you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. White fluffy things. I'm sorry. Are. Yeah, it's all right. So. Um, so uh, she undergoes this procedure, and then they let, and then she's let out. It looks like she was well, just we taking get, a nap. We get kind of happy. You're, you're kind of you're glossing over the whole music cue we got here too, man. They played. Oh yeah, the- well, I didn't get to that part. Um, but yeah, we yeah we also had uh, another version of yeah. um, "Take on Me." Um, oh, I'm sorry. No, you're talking about. I'm sorry. You're talking about the uh, Rigoletto. Uh, no, they do when when she goes. You're she's already you you're at she's already coming out of the box. When she goes in, that's when they do the take on me again. Yeah, yeah. So that that version was um, it was done by uh, what should we call it? Um, Genghis Barbie. So it wasn't the original version. Um, so yeah, you're right. Thanks for pointing that out. So, um, and the repetitive she, nature of this, the girl playing it on the piano, you know, yeah. um, we're going to see it again. I think it was, I mean, that we go, we're talking about the lyrics and stuff, but yeah. I felt it was more of a tonal, which will be posted on the website. Yeah. I felt, I felt it was more tonal. It was almost like, I just keep on hearing the, ting, oh. you know, it was almost that, oh, it just, oh, that, that kind of dissonance, that droning, you know? That's that yeah. I'm just saying that's what I felt coming from the use of the song more so than re- reading into the lyrics, which is unusual because I'm a lyrics guy, but I just felt the way they used the way they were doing it differently was almost pushing the pushing that into your mind. Well, I also felt like, um, I mean, I felt there are a couple, a couple of things that were going on here. I felt like the lyrics uh, while you're right. I did feel there were a couple lines of lyrics that were very important. Oh yeah. And one of them was like, I'll be gone in a day or two or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, it's just kind of, 
this is said over and over again, you know, like something's going to happen. I'll be gone. You know, does that mean that Nora and Kevin are going to, you know, break up? She'll be gone. She'll, she's going to leave and meet her kids and the departure, you know, at this point, we don't really know. And the other thing that it made me think of was also the video. And, um, you know, and the video is really cool. Um, a lot of people are familiar with it, but if you're not, you should definitely check it out. Cause I think it's one of the best music videos ever made. I just love it. Um, it's classic. So, uh, in the video, you know, you have him have the singer in real life and he's trying to connect with a woman and, um, like a cartoon on the like, other you know, side, the other, yeah, the other side. So he eventually does connect with her and that's the end. And he connect, you know, so I think that's to me, that's what it's referencing here that she thinks she's going to connect to the other side. This is kind of like her going through the motions right before it happens. But, you know, and that's what it's connecting to. Yeah. No, it has totally, it, dude, dude, there's very, a lot of connection there. I was just, yeah. I was just making reference to, for some reason, just wanted to share my experience. Yeah, that, sure. That, no, that I like that. I like that. I was just thinking about a couple yeah. other things. But you bring up great points. I mean, it's a great song. This goes back. I mean, this is the 80s, dude. This is the origins of MTV. This is yeah. like the video that made MTV. For those of you youngsters out there. This and Thriller. Yeah, yeah. Mu uh, music television used to actually just play videos all day. It was like a video jukebox. Actually, there were quite a few things that they, they, they well, you would always pop on and see TV shows like that. I'll explain to you why. Because the record companies send those things out freaking to everybody, man. I worked at a public access station. We used to get freaking 20 music videos a day. And, and that was yeah. two years ago. But back then, like that's people would it would actually provide people. It's free content, right? Can you think? Yeah. yeah. So but, I mean, um, I, I loved it. Well, yeah, yeah. This video was I great, though, dude. It. Yeah, I mean, I loved. Uh, I, I watched. I spent many, many, many days watching and MTV. The way they did it hours. too, the, the hand drawn. It was also really European. You know, they get into that little European sports car. You know, yeah. um, it was it was really kind of cool. And I think I don't remember the year, but I don't know if this was around the Jessica Rabbit who killed Roger Rabbit, where that kind of whole thing about like mixing live action with cartoon like it was so it was kind of cool you know it was like the cutting yeah. edge yeah but anyway great All right, well, yeah, yeah. we're gonna dial it back on the you know i remember the time when yeah <laughs> for our younger listeners yeah <laughs> do you remember um, the time yeah back in 58 um so after so she gets out of the coffin and um then she is um sits at a table with the doctors and they question her. And this is the last part of the process um, before they decide if they're going to, if she's one of the a candidate to do this procedure. So um, she asked a couple questions and the final question we were all waiting for comes. And we had kind of a preview from last week's episode with the guy who set himself on fire, a little different version. And he says two, she says, um, Dr. Aiden says two infant twins are born. One of them will grow up to cure cancer but only if one of them dies now. You don't have to kill the baby yourself, but you do have to nod to make it happen. Do you nod? Okay, so Nora replies in a matter-of-fact tone, kids die every day. What's one more? Of course, meaning she would kill the baby. Yeah. And uh, her answer is quite different than the man who set himself on fire, but they're both told they are wrong. Yeah. So is it BS? Um, I um, think I think that they are running an inverse scam from the one that mm -hmm. Lori and John are, 
And I think that they are hurtful people who are, um, want these people to kill themselves. But I don't, I might be totally wrong because the, the one, I mean, they were playing good cop, bad cop. You don't know they were acting, but just the whole way that they went about it, they didn't take the money. They, yeah. they said opposite things. You could rack your mind to, th- they gave her an exam. Maybe it had nothing to do with it, but obviously the desired outcome from telling a person who's willing to be irradiated by some kind of weird unknown mm-hmm. particle to get yeah. to the other side is the same as a person who's willing to commit suicide. Not so only that, are the oh, information that she have? Maybe to, like there was no, like they didn't give her much information. Yeah. She's just like, okay, just go through this process. Dude, and then I just came up with something. Maybe they uh, are. Um, maybe they just took off their white, uh, clothes and they don't smoke cigarettes anymore. Yeah. And yeah, that's who I, I this thought, is. I had the guilty, uh, remnant. Yep. Too. And also I was thinking about the Department of Sudden Departures could be in on it. It could be, you know, this could be something that they're doing to Right. Maybe it's what Austra- maybe Australia is just a hard ass country and they're like purposefully tricking. But this was an international scheme involving yeah. the TV's own Mark, whatever his name is, from Perfect Strangers, you know? Yeah. And they and interestingly they said they that um, he had done it earlier in the day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I don't know, dude. I don't know. I fu- yeah. I don't. I don't buy it. I yeah. don't. Maybe and, they found out about where she's from. There. You know what? This is the leftovers. I'm not going to guess. I mean, I just come up with different ideas. But whatever it is, Nora, the way she answered that question was like pretty fucking heartless, and yeah. it was yeah. sad to yeah. me. It was really sad to me. Yeah, it you was. Know, it was. Um, yeah. And here's the. And here's another. You know, and this is another thing that you can speculate that it was about. And it could, you know, Nora, you know, you know, actually said this, you know, and I referred to it earlier that the baby that was given to her at the bus stop was part of the test. Right. Um, and so, uh, you know, and it, it, Dr. Becker, it, it, while she was going through this and they were going back and forth, she increasingly became like um, a little bit more uh, standoffish. And she said that she thought that Nora was just going to get cold feet maybe even antagonizing her, you know, on purpose. Yeah. It was so um, weird. It was Yeah. Weird. So I thought that maybe, maybe there it's about her reaction. Like maybe they felt from, okay. So I had one thought where maybe, um, she, they didn't believe her because of how she reacted with the kid. Um, when, when the woman gave her the kid earlier, maybe they felt that they, that she's not actually being truthful and they just want somebody who's going to be honest. Right. So maybe they didn't, they didn't, they didn't believe her answer. Uh, And so for whatever reason, but it still doesn't make sense. Why would would this be important enough to decide? So my only other thought is maybe they're like, maybe she doesn't, she's not ready to give up everything in this life and just to give herself away. You know what I think too? Fuck these people too, because look, of course this is. Who are they to judge? I mean, if you had something like this is what I'm saying is like everything in this world now is tinged with this self-righteous bullshit that's just based on hurt and loss. You know, it's like some of us in this world think that mankind is born bad or is a sinner or evil or something. And then there's others that just think that there's not evil. There's lack of love. And really, we're just love machines. We just want to be 
connected and take care of each other. And it's when we, it's, it's that turn, it's on the turning away, as David Gilmore said, on the turning away. Um, you know, that's the, (laughs) that's what it is. And these people, you know, fuck them. It's, it's, uh, it it was, I mean, I agree. And real, I felt what I'm saying is I felt Nora's anger. Yeah. You know, though I didn't agree with why she had it. And in all sense, I mean, I, I, I don't felt, know if I was in I, that no, I situation, felt her, but the sadness that she was just willing yeah, this, to, uh, that's what I it just her life away for nothing. I know. That's what I mean. It's just, you don't want to see her. What they said, really? She actually yeah. believed that they, she could be radiated to someplace. I, I don't know. I, it just sounds like complete fucking bullshit. Yeah. But, why, <laughs> but in this, that's what, I'm, but in this world, I mean, it's possible yeah. that they can still get her, and this is still part of the test, and maybe they'll come here and get her after. I that. don't blame her for believing. I just, I, I just don't agree in the sense that I just don't. It's just sad to see her want. Yeah, I know. To not want to be alive so much. so much, and it's yeah. like, come on. But I, I empathize. I mean, I should yeah. say I sympathize because what I she's been judge. through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So is there anything else you wanted to say about her part of the story before we get back to the, the crux? Of no, it? let's hit this ho- this hotel scene. I mean, let, let's just yeah. talk about the hotel scene. This hotel scene was, uh, it was extraordinary, man. And they pulled no punches. The way it was shot, the way it was edited, the acting, the lighting too, the lighting and the mood in this, it was, uh, it was it was pretty otherworldly. Yeah. It was crazy, man. This, this blew me. This is one of those times where you're like watching the TV and it sucks your eyeballs like magnets, bitch right to the TV. And you can't, you just can't look away, but you're like, it's like you want to, because you're seeing such pain. Yeah. So let me just uh, run it down real quick. And so she's back at the hotel and she's a bit frantic and she searches for, her, finds and lights a cigarette and then Kevin's obviously very surprised as he walks in the room and sees that. I don't think he, he didn't know she smoked. She's and covering Nora, the thing again, like she did in the other hotel. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Nora agitatedly tells Kevin that she was rejected by these crazy scientists in a vengeful tone. She's very pissed off and she wants to catch the scientists. She makes it seem like it was more job related than actually a personal ordeal because he has no clue that she was about to just off herself. They get into an argument and Kevin tells Nora he feels that like he's unable to confide in her about the things that are going on inside him. Like when he saw ghosts like Patty in his recent psychotic episode, because last time she handcuffed him to the bed and left him. Uh, and I just, I honestly just feel like he doesn't, um, he doesn't feel like he's safe with her. And uh, he says, that's what we do. We don't fucking talk about anything. And then it takes a really knit, nasty downward spiral there. And they, they really go off on each other, and she argues that he's letting the Messiah treatment by Matt and the others go to his head. Nora blames Kevin for uh, letting her give up Lily when he's so focused on this other stuff, and he mocks his desire to have children with her, which is just so hurtful. And at, at, at this point, I think Kevin just couldn't, couldn't take it anymore, and uh, he just oh. grabs the, the book of Kevin, lights it on fire, puts it in the sink, and says he resents being anointed Jesus Christ superstar. He just doesn't give a shit at this point. Um, and never seen him quite quite this way before. And the smoke alarm goes off, and they just don't care. The fire's rising, the smoke's increasing. Um, 
and then uh, and then it's the most poignant part between the relationship, the most hurtful. Um, Kevin then goes into uh, Nora and he, he says that she won't move forward and accept her fate. He says you can't have a kid because then you'd have no excuse. You couldn't be a victim anymore. You'd have to be okay. No one would feel sorry for you. And then while he's uh, right before he's on his way out, he coldly says, you should go be with him. And she completely melts at this point. Kevin grabs his bag and leaves. I mean, bam. That was horrible. That was horrible. He's so, um, you know, man, I, I, I have a, I have kind of a uh, quick, uh, quick tongue as you will attest a hustler. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I have been known to say some pretty vicious shit when I'm angry at someone. And it's, I always feel bad about it. I've done it very well as I've gotten older, not to do that Uh, as much, I should say, because I still slip up. Um, But that I could just feel anyone who's ever said anything what they regretted after it's just, and you know, you only say stuff like that when you love somebody, you know? Um, And it's, really he just he went he went he went so low to try to elicit something from her because he was getting nothing you know and uh that's a common common thing i think he needed to put her in her place too because she was being nasty and mean to him and just you know it's just i mean yeah it was really for some of the stuff that she was doing and of course you can't be excused for that you know um but Sometimes I personally, I have been checked before and I've had reality checks and it's not always the nicest. And yeah, it could have been a lot nicer by him, but she needed to be put in her place and told her exactly what was going on. And she might as well. I mean, he, I, there's <laughs> nothing going for her. I'm sorry, but I mean, right. he could have said it nicer I, in a yeah. way, but I'm sorry. She, she was very hurtful to him too. Yeah. I mean, I'm, Hey, I'm not, you know, there's so, um, it's like my mama always said, you never know what goes on behind closed doors. And we, we, any, any artistic representation of, uh, relationships is, is a series of scenes, right. That build yeah. up your understanding. And, um, so you could see that there's a lot of pain and, and probably sniping had gone on between them and ignoring each other many times, you know? I mean, like yeah. we saw the beginning of the show, right? The beginning yeah. of this episode um, with her just walking off like it's nothing. Not even like, you know, give a kiss on the cheek or, hey, we're on a trip, you know, airplane, whatever. She never place. believed him about any of that stuff. Yeah. Probably, and the know? whole way she's talking about the book. So, yeah, I mean, look, I'm not going to defend either one of them. I'm just saying it was harsh and it was painful. And I could just you could see in her eyes, too. It was depicted well. It was very well written and acted. And... um it was uh, blew me away, man. It was so painful, so painful. And I mean, look, does he have a point? I, I'm not even sure because that's such a. I mean, surf- it's obvious, but her, you know, that's what she wanted to do. It's almost like he knew. I mean, yeah. it's like go be with your kids. You know, I mean, that's what she was trying to do, right? Right, and <laughs> I mean, by surface, I mean it's just like that. That is, it is. It's biting and it's mean and it's her pain. Really, what she. She just wants to feel love, you know, yeah. she doesn't oh, want no to doubt. be the, in the place she's at and he doesn't want to be in the place they're at. And it's sad to see but, that when people are like that. And 
But I do have to question, does she really, I mean, she does want to feel low, but she's really not acting like it. Nah, dude, these people need a lot, a lot, a lot of therapy or, or they either lead a lot of therapy or he's Jesus Christ. We shall see next week on the leftovers. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just, uh, you know, referencing how well this scene which this is one of the best scenes of television history um just uh, because then you have as you've referenced before you have the book burning in the sink uh where they could have just turned it off uh oh, by crazy yeah on right and also as their arguments going on the flames are building up and building up and it's and then it's like their argument is becoming more fiery and more passionate you know by the time he leaves just everything's on fire so it was just yeah it was just really well done anything you wanted to add to that no man that that i mean i said already this you know the tension uh you just kept on seeing that in the background and they it her covering up that smoke alarm we talked about that why did they show that in the hotel when she first goes to meet um mark lynn baker um right why you know they had to show us her smoking it and covering it and it's like it's they kind of planted (laughs) It's like it was it was Chekhov's yeah. fire alarm. They planted that goddamn fire alarm in your mind, you know, so long ago that as mm-hmm. soon as she did it that time, and then if the book, it was just you just oh, it made it even that much. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. It was it yeah. was actually very Breaking Badish. Okay. All right, so. As Kevin Kevin leaves the hotel, uh, the alarms uh, appear to grow louder. He goes to the valet and asks for a cab, but he says that there are none available due to an explosion. I mean, he's confused. I think maybe there's an explosion there by the way he looks around. Um, and then his father sees him, gets gets out of a truck driven by Grace. He looks at him and says, Jesus, in an exasperated tone. And, um, you know, I'm not even, I think, I don't know if a lot of people caught that, but it, like you know obvious connection there is funny um so then he spotted he said he tells him that he spotted him on good day melbourne on the television show (laughs) um when he was looking for who he thought was evie again making that connection that you made earlier um and he then tells him that he was calling around all the hotels looking for him ever since which is where because he um you know, I guess he was listed under Kevin Durst. <laughs> so that, that's besides the point, I guess. I don't no, know no, but listen, name. listen. If he wouldn't have, um, if the TV, if the remote control hadn't have worked and he hadn't have called down, he would not have corrected his name and his father would not have been able to find uh, him. There you go. That's true. Good but point. his Thank father you. might Close have known Nora Durst, though. You know what yeah. I mean? We don't. We can't get too crazy with that kind of stuff. Yeah, he, in this he, show. Well, he didn't know he was with Nora. But it does really. make You're a right. nice little hook and that that we didn't incident. know he was coming with her. I think so. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Okay, so in the end, he finds him. Um, and uh, so he uh, oh he knew from Matt too. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, he knew that he went there with Matt uh, with Nora. So, um, so Kevin tell, Kevin Senior tells Kevin that he can't return to the United States at the moment because all the flights are grounded, presumably due to this explosion. And so he gets in the truck. And um, so you know, I'm gonna we'll get back to that. You know, we'll talk about that in a minute. But we're gonna get back to uh, the last part of it, and then we'll we'll uh, 
you know, hash it out. So the last shot that we see, um, and that, as we fade out on the truck, um, the, uh, the third version and the original version of Take On Me uh, by AHA is, is starts playing. And then uh, we hear the smoke alarm, and then we see a shot of Nora and a close-up of her face. And I'm going to let you uh, take this one away, man, because this is your thing. Well, I mean, it was just this. This is you. You've got okay. All of you who are watching American Gods, <laughs> this is the proper way that you use some nice high. This is high speed uh, film slowed down you see everything it it's like it, it she is she becomes the water right yes. she yes. is enveloped by it and becomes it to the point at which she could almost disappear as it falls down around her it's just the way she held her body so much of acting is body control Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people ask, I've said this before about two um, actors in particular, uh, Kathleen Turner's great at this, um, Brad Pitt and Keanu Reeves. Some of the best the thing that they do as actors while they're cast over and over again is hitting marks and doing things the same way repetitively, having ultimate yeah. control of their body. Because in order to edit takes together, that really does help in editing. You don't see that on the set as much, but people notice it, but just that's such a big part of acting. Heath Solo could talk about this body control. It's not just how you deliver becoming the, you know, your voice and all that kind of stuff. And the way she held herself, I mean, and she's gorgeous and it was just, it it was weird too. Again, um, similar to the, um, the Wu-Tang jumping on the trampolines thing. Yeah. Um, it's like beauty and sadness together. And this was beautiful and sad. And she, it was in a way to, it was almost metallic the way the water was coming down there. It was just seemed to be, it was just this weird flow. It reminded me a little bit of like T2 Terminator, you know, like yeah. she's just melting in it. And it was, uh, I, I liked the, again, with the music, it was brilliant, man. This so yeah so, I think it was probably the single best shot in the whole show. Um, I would take it that far, and uh, I just yeah it was just a, a work of art, and it was like there are just eternal tears coming off her, and like you said, man, she just blended in with the water so well, and it was just like a flood of emotion, you know. That's just yeah. the feeling that I got when I watched it. She was the tear here, you know. Oh man, if they had played Peter Gabriel's Here Comes the Flood, which uh they actually <laughs> played on the Americans. But um yeah, man. She's so, awesome. Yeah, why do you man. think they why do you think they played the third like the original version at this point of uh Take On Me? It's there's something to be said there about changing and morphing and um mm-hmm. and gone in a day. Yeah, alternate versions of something. Uh, what is the what is the real version? What is not, you know, and maybe perhaps you play this, you know, real version where she is utterly and completely real. She is herself. She is nothing. 
and everything at the same time. I'm getting real esoteric here, but it is kind of true. You know, like I'm saying, she, it melted into her and she becomes kind of one with everything. So it's a, it's a Neo matrix speaking of uh Keanu type moment there. Like when the code appears in the hallway, um, you know, she is that she yeah. is what that room is. <laughs> that room was her. Yeah. So i I feel like this is, this will be the last time that we see her until the action at the end of scene of uh, episode one, uh, when she's, you know, on the bicycle with the pigeons. Um, I feel like this is the last time we're going to see her, uh, until that point. That's my theory. And, um, it, to me, if we take who she is now, like what she's going through and we, and we transfer it to what we see of her facial expressions mm-hmm. and the way that she reacts and she does and says that she doesn't know, know Kevin. And when the lady at the lady at the church asks him, uh, asks her, uh, if, if she knows somebody named Kevin and, um, you know, just her, like, I think, uh, I think this bear kind of bears it out and, you know, that this is, um, like it's, you know, I can definitely see how making that connection at this point, yeah. you know, she's just completely disassociated from everything uh, in that episode. So I feel like that's, you know, that's where her character is going to be the next time we see her. Yeah, man. Um, I, I mean, I, I, th- I think you might be right. I think that, or, you know what? I mean, I don't know, man, this show is brilliant. There's only four episodes left. We might just not see her again. Who knows? She did a whole season of Fargo. I, I see. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I don't see that. I I have to believe that there's some hope in the show somewhere and that something good is going to come of this, you know, and that maybe, I mean, if Kevin's, if we think that this is real and he, whatever reality is, uh, we saw that scene at the end of episode one, uh, whatever reality that is, Kevin's looking for her. So it gives me hope that they will reconnect. How do you know? Wait, but listen, that's an interesting, interesting, interesting thing here that you're inferring Mm -hmm. that I did not infer that. I did not make that inference. Of course, this is, this is a theory. Yeah. You know, I, I, my, my, I, I thought my impression was, I feel, okay. Okay. Here, let's take it a step further. I think, okay. And this is, I think the explosion is actually something maybe if this one isn't maybe something else it has something with radiation so either that's a nuclear explosion of some kind with a plant or a bomb or it could be that machine this um was it the disinger radiation machine that nora was about to be subjected to what if that was blown up and that that had some radiation from that but it looks like on her face, her face is distorted. It's not just age. I feel like that it could be like, it looks like it's some kind of radiation. And when we saw the, you know, the two episodes ago, when she found out about the machine, that's what I, I think we postulated with a lot of people did is that this is from some, you know, the scars were from radiation on her face. Um, so that, that's where I'm kind of going with this. I think that explosion or this impending, it's just like that guy, maybe foreshadowing, Mm-hmm. Um, the guy in the hazmat suit um, in Austin, he was foreshadowing, mm. you know, there's going to be a global nuclear yeah. disaster. He had the hazmat suit on, right? Well, That's, you got to, I mean, there's been a lot I'm of just, mentions I, of I, a no, flood. No, no, this could be, you know, just um, uh, smoke and mirrors, right? Yeah. Hey. But, but yep. this would go along with the show because let's say, I don't believe that a seven-year departure event is going to happen. Not in the way that they think. It would go along more with the show that mankind caused yeah. an event. 
Good point. So I hustles. Some crazy point. person yep. getting access to either this machine or a nuclear bomb or something and causing okay. World War III. L- look, you make a point. Let's say something. We only have two bits of information, right? The first bit of information is the 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 lobby clerk or whatever the doorman saying there something about because of the explosion, right? Yes. And then and also you, the flights being grounded and everybody looking around. Right, that was the second know, part. Like chaos. Everybody's okay. That that's a second part. Everybody looking around in chaos. He thought you know the fire alarm was going off. It was two things happening. They did set the fire alarm off which caused everyone to come out of the hotel. Did that happen at when he said there was an explosion? Yes, yes. When he said there was he an explosion. The- okay, let me let me okay, just finish. He said pal. all cabs. Um so when he was trying to get a cab, mm-hmm. uh he said that all the the cabs uh, there were no um so when he went to the valet uh, before he left the hotel, he said um you know, can I get a cab and he said there's no cabs available because of the explosion. Right, okay? It, so, good point. When he first said everything was happening so fast, I want to give you my impressions of it, okay? Mm-hmm. He comes down through the lobby. I thought everyone was exiting because they set the fire alarm off. Yeah. Then he says, I want to get a cab. I think that's what Kevin thought, too. Then he says, there's no cabs because of the explosion. Now, when he said that to him, I thought the room might have exploded because Kevin kind of looks up. I thought maybe Nora was dead or something for a second. Then yeah, when he looked up, yeah, yeah, I was right. Like, huh? Then all the then other people are kind of looking up and looking around. Then when he saw his dad, I kept on thinking about that. I was like, oh, his dad. I made the connection of him seeing on the TV as soon as I saw his dad. Then his dad said it. You know, I liked I liked the way his dad was kind of so chill and happy to see him. I thought it was sweet. And yeah, but um, he, he was rushing him in the truck too. It wasn't just like I felt like right. all the flights are grounded. His father said all the flights are grounded. We gotta we gotta get the hell out of here. That's that's what also gave me the impression. But I just meant I just meant he took actually a moment to take in his son, which as a father yeah. I would do too. Yeah. You know, yeah. you don't just like in movies when someone just grabs their kid and it's like, come on, like you just don't you always there's always a moment there as a parent where you just kind of like completely reassure your child, you know? Um yeah. And, uh, when he said that there, he said, I want to go home. He said, there's no, all the flights are grounded. Okay. So now we're thinking about this. There's an explosion. First, he says the cabs, which makes me think, is it on the ground? Why would the cabs then, then all the flights are grounded. Okay. If all flights are grounded, are all international flights grounded? Did this thing happen in Australia or did this happen worldwide? Oh yeah, absolutely. I just love the fact that they snuck some crazy shit like that into the very end of the show and didn't explain it. I love it. I love you. I've been sitting here postulating what it could be, you know, and that's that, that's, I think that's all these things at the end, just like that, that last scene with them, you know, and breaking up and the, how beautiful it all was. It just yeah. had my mind tentilated. I'm just still thinking That's, about it. You it's know, so I propulsive, probably, man, this show is, yeah. it really, and I can't believe I'm saying that the leftovers is so propulsive. That's what I like. They've done a great job of kind of changing. This was a fa- This show moved fast to me this episode. Yes. I just, I don't know, man, I'm digging it. I'm digging what they're doing. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it's so bittersweet for me because I, it's like my favorite show on television. I mean, I like it better than Game of Thrones. I've told you that many times, but because I just think it's more of a work of art and uh, it's just, it's about people and emotions. And yeah. to me, that's the most important things in relationships. So, you know, I just, 
it's just my favorite. Um, so I, I mean, that's pretty much kind of wrapping it up for me. Okay. I know you had uh, something you wanted to talk about with this Rigoletto. Oh yeah. So I just wanted to give a shout out to, to our man, Scott six. Um, he kind of sent in and he said that Rigoletto uh, is a story about a, well, I don't know the story. I'm be honest with you. Um, he, uh, he sent us in a little background of it and he wanted to just make note that that music is played um, he believed several times um, during uh, this episode and that it that there what what was the story that he wrote? You've got the notes, man. Look at the notes, punk. Oh, well, I mean, I think he had a different uh, I well, mean, what was he his was talking about the whole opera where the, the part that they played in the episode was just one part. And I think maybe there are some other choir parts from a couple of other musical pieces okay. that were not the same. Right. But kind of had the same intonation in a way. But um, so the part of Rigoletto, which is an opera composed by Verity and again, uh, Verity opera, which another there's another one from um, episode eight in season two, which is was a Nabucco, Nabuccio or okay. something. I think that's how you say it in Italian. Again, uh, mm-hmm. I'm not very good with accents. So. Um, it's um, the Caro Gnome from Act One of Rigoletto. Uh, and so the basic thing is um, it's about Rigoletto is a jester of a court, and his daughter, uh, Gilda, sings as part of the, the opera. So it's a, basically the Caro Gnome is a portrayal of young love, her love. She's young, like 16, I think, in this. And in all its innocence and idealism, and it marks the first step in her transformation from an innocent young girl to a self-sacrificing heroine. Um, the Gilda we encounter later in Act 2 um, is a very different woman, woman, both in terms of her emotions and music. So it's... I felt like when this was playing that it was a loss of innocence and that things are about to get real. Okay. Um, like that's my interpretation of it. I mean, I don't know. You had something else from Scott. I think he, he felt differently that maybe it could be, it had some connection with Nora being in a coffin and going into that box in a coffin. Um, I think maybe we heard, heard, heard it then as well right he says gilda sacrifices herself for a man who who treats her like shit and her father delights when he thinks that man is dead but inside the sack it turns out it's her so yeah so basically what happens he so the duke she she falls in love with this duke who is very promiscuous um and she believes that she just has always been in the court and she's always had her eyes on him but she didn't know about you know his uh, other pursuits per se so let's just say that they one night he takes her and you know, they do their thing. And uh, then her father finds out and he, he shows her, shows her how he really is. And um, so then she makes, so then she hears her father talking to another guy about um, setting up the Duke and like trying to kill him. Uh-huh. And they said, basically he'll be the next guy to walks through this door. So he kill him you know, when he walks through the oh, door. So okay. she here overheard it and she walks through the door knowing that this is going to happen. Oh, okay. I believe. And that could have a little bit of it off, but I think that's kind of the gist. Well, yeah. that's interesting because we are setting her body and it's, he realizes okay. it's her daughter. We are setting up this whole thing between it's Kevin up. Jr. And Kevin senior. And we've had this talk of like, must he be sacrificed in some way or yeah, All right, Abraham cool. and Isaac. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. All right, Scott. Thanks for that, dude. Yeah. There's so much. I mean, 
That's an interesting story, and I didn't know what Rigoletta was. Thanks for that little lesson. I know you go to the opera and shit, don't you? Uh, more classical music, uh, symphony orchestra type oh, okay. stuff. Although, I, I mean, I'd go to the opera. I've I'm been a few times. Never yeah. been to an opera, never been to a classic music. Wait, didn't you take me one time to a- I did. I did once take you. Yep, yeah. In New York. I don't even remember. I probably fell asleep. It's oh, beautiful, right. though. I, I mean, I listen to classical music all the time now, driving around the car. Oh, all really right, man. This was uh, this was a fantastic episode. I don't really have. Uh, do you have anything else to add? No, that's it. I'm, all right, cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Got all man. my thoughts out there. Well, um, like I said, to me, one of the uh, one of the all time episodes of television. I'll think about it, um, and I can't wait to the next episode. They're probably not going to tell four us. Left. Yeah, and only four. We're halfway there. Halfway yeah. there, man. Pretty cool, dude. Okay, Pretty bon cool. Jovi live and they are living on a prayer aren't they oh damn it dude everything relates the the leftovers man yeah man making all the connections man god's tongue god's tongue yeah you've been having a little too much of god's tongue lately yep all right baby well everybody thanks for listening you can find us on twitter at leftovers dvr you can email us leftovers dvr gmail.com we are a part of the DVR Podcast Network. You can check us out at DVRpodcast.com. I'm going to be doing a film list with uh, DJ Tim Hines tomorrow night where we're going to be talking about The Expanse. We're going to be talking about Billions. Um, and we're going to be probably talking about a bunch of other little TV uh, nuggets. I did a film list with Heath Solo last week where we talked about Better Call Saul, The Americans, Oh, uh, we're going to talk about the Americans finale, Tim and I as well. So uh, g- download that, the film list, or go to DVRpodcast.com and you can see all the great shows that we do. If you're listening here and you don't know, we are going to be podcast Winterfell when Game of Thrones comes back. Uh, Matt has given us the keys oh, yeah, to maybe. the castle. And um, myself, Heath, Mike, Tracy, Donald, and Tim are going to be doing three shows a week. Okay three shows for game of thrones a week and uh tim is actually talking about launching his own weekly tv check-in like a half hour just talking about the shows he watches yeah timmy yep heath and i are hoping to do a tv weekly tv podcast um it's all out there baby dvrpodcast.com thanks for the itunes reviews thanks for the tweets and the downloads we love you we'll see you on the other side Love is something